Hello, welcome to the Film Analytics Center podcast. We're excited to kick off our daily edition of NYFF 60 podcast. Uh, my name is Jordan Raup. I'm the Assistant Director of Marketing here at Film and Lincoln Center. Uh, I'm joined today by Dennis Lim, the Artistic Director of New York Film Festival, as well as Florence Almazini, uh, Main Slate Currents and Revivals Programmer, as well as the Senior Director of Programming at Film and Lincoln Center. Welcome. Thanks, Thank Jordan. Welcome. Great. So um, to kick things off, I think we, I was just going to start uh, by talking a little bit about a general overview of the program. Can you guys discuss uh, your approach to the curation this year and um, how you think it differed from the last few years? Maybe Dennis, you could kick things off. Sure. Um, I think this is the third year with uh, the new streamlined structure. Um, And I don't think in terms of the process, it wasn't significantly different. Um, Obviously, many things, many aspects were different in that in 2020, it was a... um, largely virtual festival. It was a COVID year. Um, There were all kinds of delays with production and premieres and release dates and all of that. So I think the pool of films we've been working with every year has felt very different. Um, Last year, it felt really kind of abundant in a way because I think there was, you know, it was almost like we were working with more than a year's worth um, uh, of releases because of 2020. but the process remains more or less the same in that we start early in the year. We, you know, we start looking at films um, out of Sundance in Berlin with the winter festivals. Um, and then, you know, it really starts to kick in after Cannes. And then we start watching the, the fall films. Um, the, you know, I, the, I can say a little bit about the, the program, um, uh, the, the, the structure of, of the program. Um, I think, you know, the idea of consolidating the festival into just these four sections, four sections plus talks, um, has to has been, you know, it's been about two things for me. One is like trying to at the same time give each section a clear identity um, so that you can really feel it as like, you know, a, a coherent narrative um, emerges from the selection of films, but also to not make it so airtight, you know, because I think there are many cases, and we can maybe talk about some of them, where some films, you know, that are in the main slate could have worked in Spotlight, some films that are in Currents could have worked in the main slate, Um, and the committees actually often work together to to talk about, like, how their respective lineups uh, are shaping up, and and whether, you know, we might want to move one film from from, from one place to another. Um, But yeah, I don't know if Lawrence wants to add anything. To me, it felt it felt um, the the process felt um, you know I would say similar to last year. Twenty twenty was obviously like a an anomalous year, but I think uh, not very different in terms of the timeline. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Um, well, for me, it changed a little bit because this year I was also on the committee for the director's fortnight at Cannes, so it did allow me to watch a lot of films quite early in the process. Not the full film, but really. Uh, a lot of films, uh, mostly European film from other region, uh, not necessarily North American. So I already felt like I had a sort of um, a really good idea of things we would want to discuss for the festival um, and things that would work well in which context. Um, it's it, it's true, like sometimes we really like a film, but we also want to see what's the best way to to showcase the strengths of the film and if it would work better for the film in a specific section and all the entire section will benefit from it. So it's it's all related to to together. Um, but other than that, uh, the process uh, after that was yeah fairly similar. Uh, always uh, feel like there's more films to watch if we move the deadlines later. <laughs> uh, but you know, at some point we 
we just have to stop. Uh, and and I think we're really happy with what we came up with overall. Excellent. Um, I think, yeah, we can just dive in a bit in, with each section. So starting with main slate, I know, um, you know, the galas are often um, talked about a lot and we have uh, three really, I think, eclectic and kind of diverse choices that no one really expected. You know, we follow everyone's predictions all year long about what the galas may be. And I think you guys really surprised us this year with what you picked. Um, and so, yeah, I was wondering, maybe just kicking off there, especially, uh, you know, centerpiece and, and closing, I think are really, really special films, um, you know, along with White Noise, obviously, but I think centerpiece and closing kind of we're on no one's predictions list. Uh, so yeah, you want to talk about those a little well, bit? I guess I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think this isn't something we consciously strive for, but I think being predictable, certainly for a festival of our size, would be really boring. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think, you know, we talk about just the balance of the slate, but I think the balance of the galas is also really important to not all have them be by us to not all have them be a certain type of film or a certain profile of filmmaker. Um, so yeah, obviously we have, you know, with opening White Noise is, I think one of the year's most anticipated films with good reason. Um, I'm very excited for people to see it. I think it's a different kind of film for Noah Baumbach. Um, and I think it's just a, this is a brilliant um, case study for adaptation of how do you take a difficult, tricky text, you know, and actually turn it into cinema, not just like transcribe it. Um, uh, and I also think it's uh, fun, which I think is important criterion for opening night. Um, and yeah, centerpiece, um, we think, you know, we haven't often had documentaries in these slots. Um, Laura Poitras is a major, major filmmaker, I think. Uh, somebody who you know her uh, the the way she's depicted certain aspects certain figures uh certain aspects of i think you know 21st um century like you know american existence uh it's been and also american politics uh i think she she's one of her, i think our major documentarians as with white noise you know i think this is also a little bit of a different kind of film for her um it doesn't have the the sort of political context and the political stakes that her other films do, at least not overtly, not, not, you know, it's not like about foreign policy or like, it's not like an espionage story the way Citizen Four was, but there are politics here unmistakably. And there is a larger context and the way she tells Nan Golden's uh, story, really Nan Golden's emergence as a photographer and Nan Golden's emergence as an activist and how she puts those, weaves those two together, I think really elegantly and movingly. Um, so for us, you know, to have, um, to have that centerpiece was exciting. At a certain point in the process, um, we realized that we had a lot of um, sort of New York centric films, you know, films that were either by New York filmmakers or about New York um, figures or set in New York. Um, and yeah, Elegance Bratton, who's the director of our closing night film, is is a New Yorker. Um, and it's his first feature, but I think it's also, you know, it's it's clearly a first uh, first fiction feature, but it's clearly a film made by somebody who has uh, quite a lot of experience. I mean, Elegance is an experienced documentarian and photographer. Um, it's about his time in the Marines. Um, it's drawn on his own experience. Um, and I think it shows in the film that he's, he's, he's lived with this material uh, and thought about how to, how to portray it with, with a certain kind of um, restraint uh, and confidence um, and maturity that I don't think you often see in like first fiction features. So for us to, to yeah, I think it's a bit of a statement to, to put a, a first time filmmaker <clears throat> in a slot like that, but that is 
I think that is consciously a statement we wanted to make. Um, and we can talk a bit more about this too, but I'm also excited about the 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 you know the relatively high number of um, first time and emerging filmmakers in, in in the lineup, especially in the main slate. That's great. Yeah, um, for us, do you want to touch on any main slate favorites? Well, I also wanted to comment a little bit on, on what Denis said. I think it's really um, a, a great aspect of the New York Film Festival is that we we can take a chance with showing new directors, first-time directors, uh, showcasing films that don't look like an obvious choice for a gala, uh, as well as in Men's Slate. And it's it's why I think the festival stay as vital, as, as interesting and important as it, it was. It's it's not just an award showcase for red carpets. Uh, we we understand that it's it there's some great film, but are more commercial and will bring higher profile uh, guests and and an audience. And we really embrace the film when we're good. But really, I think what makes the New York Film Festival because it's also a smaller festival than all the other fall festival, it's because we can really take a chance and and elevate the profile of like uh, first directors and, and uh, up and coming uh, film from other regions as well. Uh, so there's a lot of films that we love, discussed at length and we're passionate about and we're really, really excited that we can share with the New York audience. That's great. Yeah. Um, just looking at the main slate line, I mean, there's a few for sure that I've loved their past work and excited to see them kind of try something a bit new. I know, um, you know, Pietro Marcello was here um, a few years ago with Martin Eden and he has Scarlet um, this year, which I, I believe shot in France, um, starring some French actors. Do you want to talk about that one at all? Yes. Uh, it's a film that um, showcase a little bit uh a different aspect of Pietro Marcello's uh, work, but he worked uh, often in uh, documentary, archival, and, and uh, linearly with uh, a narrative. And it seems a little bit a more uh, linear process in, in his film, uh, a little bit more like simple and very going to the heart of, of and feelings. Uh, but it's also something that feels very, very personal. Uh, and if you know uh, his previous work, you would really relate to it. If you don't know his previous work, you can just embrace the film for what it is. Uh, it's completely a French production. It stars uh, Louis Garel and some upcoming uh, actors, uh, like the, the main girl, like Juliet, is quite amazing. It it deals with humanity uh, and, and passion as well. And it's a film that I think will play very well with the audience. Great. Um, and I got a chance to see um, Albert Serra's Passive Fiction last night, which was pretty blown away by that. Um, I know, Dennis, this is one of your favorites. Do you want to talk about this one a bit? Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to begin, <laughs> begin with Passive Fiction. <laughs> uh, Albert Serra has been uh, kind of a, a fixture of the festival, I would say, in the last 10 years or so, um, at least starting from Death of Louis XIV. Um, but yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, I think like many filmmakers in, 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 in the slate this year, I feel like they're, you know, even if they're filmmakers, you know, they're trying something new. Um, and I think this film uh, is a little bit more narrative than, than Albert's other films. Um, you know, you can't even really even slot it into a genre. It's basically like a political thriller, you know, but um, uh, I think it's a film 
in which Albert's very particular working methods, you know, pay off in a big way. Uh, he's somebody who shoots a ton of material, um, who shoots with multiple cameras, and I think the atmosphere, the film, the film is is really. I think uh, kind of intoxicating, like mood piece, um, and the, the 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 way he, I think, achieves the 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 textures and just the density of atmosphere, um, which is very much part of the. It's not just you know there as atmospheres. It's part of the meaning of the film. Uh, I think it's only possible because of the way he works, um, because of this incredible mix of again, like you know, he has this this movie star Benoit Magimel in an incredible role with all these non professional actors, um, you know, some of whom have never acted before. Um, it is. I don't know. I mean, I, I I would just encourage people to to see it, <laughs> it on the big screen. Um, it, it it is quite uh it's quite an experience. I, I think it is you know Albert somebody who is um a filmmaker who I think is very uh, self consciously testing the possibilities of the medium uh, and also like I think very deliberately. Uh, working against conventions and cliches uh, in ways that are very exciting, and 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 this is yeah maybe his 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 most exciting film to me. So I'm I'm glad that people will have the chance to see it to see it on the huge screen of Alice Tully Hall too. I think is 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 going to be an experience. I have to say something because I also really love that film. Uh, it was I loved Albert's previous film, but this one when I saw it was like uh, an incredible experience. I never knew where I was going uh, with the film. I just was completely embraced by it in terms of the yeah the texture, so the way it looks, the way it sounds, the way it uses music, but also with um, the content of the film, the way it's um, very political, but in a not abrasive way. It just makes you think. It makes you think about the world of France and colonization and and the mm. nuclear testing in the in the Pacific. So so many possible possible way to interpret the film. Uh, it's also really embraced like gender fluid without being uh, armor and the nail. Um, but I absolutely had no idea where during the time of the film where I was going with this. But it was the most incredible journey. Uh, and it's something I can watch over and over. So, yeah, so highly recommend. One of my favorite. <laughs> yes, and so that that's passive fiction that's playing in Alstoli Hall on October fifth with Albert Sarah in person. Um, all right, and then I wanted to touch a little bit to a uh, film that has actually two showings in Alstoli Hall is RMN. Um, and either of you want to take take on this one? <laughs> sure, um, I will take this on. Um, RMN is the latest by Christian Munju, um, who has shown at the festival many times. We obviously have had quite a strong Romanian presence um, and, uh, at the festival over the years. Um, he's, I think, a key figure in this in this not so new new wave. I mean, they've you know obviously been around for a couple of decades now. Um, uh, Munju is a, I think, a, a really methodical, uh, cerebral filmmaker. He's somebody who makes films that have a lot of ideas. Uh, RMN, the title is like liking whatever MRI is in Romanian, like brains, like a brain scan. Um, and as in his previous films, you know, it, it, it's a it's a slow burner. Uh, it's a film that draws a very, I think, a very precise picture of Romania. It, it's set in a in a in rural Romania, of the state of Romania, but also the state of Europe today. Um, you know, it's it's this small town in Transylvania that is rife with all kinds of tensions. Um, and I think the pre precision and the intelligence of the filmmaking, he really says something about just the underlying social structure. I, I think it's a film that also has a few uh, 
very memorable set pieces. Um, I don't want to give it to a, away, but I think there's one particular extended scene that remains remain cinema today is often you know associated with its long takes. But there's one that's I think especially powerful here, um, and I think it has one of the strongest endings um, of, of of the films in the lineup. So I'm also excited for people to see this one. Nice, yeah. That and that play is October 9th and 10th uh, with the director in person. Um, and then I should we mentioned Scarlet. That one um, plays October 4th at Alstoley Hall uh, with Pietro Marcello in person as well. Um, and yeah, so I think we can jump if you guys are ready for it uh, to another section. Um, I just wanted to plug a couple of things because um, I was checking um, distribution status uh, for all the films in the main slate. Some of these films didn't have distributors when we when we selected them uh, in the spring and summer, and I'm very glad that many, almost everything in the main slate has been picked up. Um, as I think there's just maybe a couple of films that do not have this U.S. distributors at the station. I want to call attention to one of them because it might seem um, like daunting for some people, um, but I could not recommend this film more highly, which is uh, Laura Citarella's um, Tranque Lauquen, which is a two-part movie, uh, two parts of two hours each. Um, you know, if, if people are familiar with uh, La Flor that we showed, um, uh, maybe in 2018, uh, by Mariano Ginas, also Argentinian. Uh, this film is a, uh, you know, in a way more more manageable than La Flor, like a, a bite-sized version of La Flor, only four hours. <laughs> um, and it is a film that does really dazzling, uh, really exciting and really pleasurable things with narrative. Um, it's a film about how stories work on us. Um, it's, you know, this has this um, very smart metafictional structure, um, completely absorbing, completely mesmerizing. Uh, and, you know, we're showing it in two, um, I guess in two, two forms, like uh, in the Walter Reed, we're showing it over two nights. So you can watch part one and come back for part two, the second night on the same ticket. And then um, I think later in the week, we're showing it in one of our smaller theaters as a continuous four hour experience. Uh, so this one is a film that also doesn't have US distribution. So I think you know, I, would, I would urge people to check this one out while they can. And Laura Citarella will be with us for the screenings too. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And that October 14th screening is actually sold out already the one with uh, where we're screening all at once but there is tickets still available for the october 11th and october 12th part one and part two so definitely get on that um okay great yeah let's um you want to jump a little bit even further ahead to revivals first How, what do you think for us we can talk about revival sure it's it's really one of my favorite section um it's uh, something we've uh, sort of uh, changed a little bit when the new team came in place uh, because we're a venue that operates all year round, we have many opportunities to show classic films and to show repertory cinema and to make it really too outstanding in the New York Film Festival. We also wanted to show more than just the classic restoration uh, that we people will sort of expect. And I, I don't want to uh, mention name, but you know, like Fellini's restored, like I don't know, I think every two years. And so it's like certain Godard, like certain American film from the 50s. And they're great film, but we can showcase them and we can do series uh, all year round with this. What was important is to use the profile of the New York Film Festival to go beyond the canyon and to the, the canon and to to look for films that sort of disappeared. Um and funny enough, like you realize that movies from you know, it used to be the 30s to the 50s. Now it's like the 70s, 80s, 90s. These films that sometimes I've seen when they came out, like 
bring diversity in the lineup uh, to bring, obviously, like female directors. We always hear like, oh, women didn't make movies before like, the 40s or like, the 50s. It's just like there's no woman director before Agnes Barda. But like, that's, that's something. Or there's no movie from Africa or Asia. Like, they, they, it seems like there's a lot like, part, like continents or like genre of people who never made movies before. And it's not true. It's just these films are usually harder to find. They don't travel, they're not restored. They don't have a huge um, backup system to, to bring them back to to an audience here. So we, we started working on this. And I think what's working now, it's like people are approaching us saying like, oh, what about that film? Like we, we would want to restore it. Would you show it in the festival? And it's not films that we would expect or we would have find otherwise. And I think now the result, it's like, it's a very exciting, uh, really entity. It's a great section that works by itself, but also spoke to other sections of the festival. Mm -hmm. And I think it reflects both ways. And we have some big titles. We have some titles that people would know, like Mother in the War by Jean Eustache. But we are also super excited to bring, you know, back like Colin Smith with Brian Longzo. It's a film that should be definitely seen and should, and I'm so glad it's finally restored and I, I think it really speaks of the moment even so it was made like 20 years ago 25 years ago excellent yeah I'm excited for a lot of these um I don't know too uh, you have some connections to the main slate there's um you know Claire Denis uh stars at noon is in main slate and then um you'll be well premiering a new 4k restoration of no fear no die uh which is exciting and Walter Reed at uh, October 4th um, our, our second feature but it doesn't screen a lot uh also uh, we watch in Pacifiction and No Fear No Die with some uh, interesting concept mm -hmm. with uh, roosters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, great. And then, um, yeah, I think we can jump a bit and talk a little bit about Currents. Um, so obviously, Currents is our um, kind of sidebar to the main slate. And um, and opening this year is uh, Will of the Wisp, which uh, people are very excited to see. I, I know I am tomorrow uh, at the press screening. But uh, Dennis, do you want to talk a little bit about about the currents this year? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so currents is the section of the festival that we sort of designated as the um, the section for adventurous cinema, for risk-taking cinema. Um, you know, you mentioned the connections between revivals and a main slate, and and um, Florence talked about you know really rethinking uh, what might be in a revival section of a film festival. And I think with currents as well, we're really thinking about what 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 lives in this section is not, you know, there are some filmmakers who are in currents who've been in the main slate, including Joe Pedro Rodriguez, who you just mentioned, um, but also Bertrand Bonello and Alan Gomis, who've shown films in the main slate before. In this case, I think they're making works that are either in some ways, um, in some way or another, more experimental or smaller, um, you know, and I think we we, we want to create the space um, that's a, 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 a that sort of complements uh, the main slate and kind of completes the picture, um, you know, as we. I don't think it's possible anymore to really, you know, sum up the state of cinema with a slate of like 25 films. So to really, to really have, um, you know, I think a meaningful encapsulation 
we need a section like Karen's um, because for me, most of the exciting work is being done by filmmakers who are, you know, taking risks in some way. Um, yeah, um, Will of the Wisp, um, back to your question, is our opening night film because I think I saw this with an audience in Cannes uh, and this was one of the most um, sort of joyous uh, screenings I have experienced um, in a while, actually. I think... Um, there's something about the way the film approaches, um, you know, complicated subject matter uh, with a kind of irreverence uh, and levity uh, and a real tongue-in-cheek humor. Um, you know, the film has a, a pretty outlandish premise. It's sort of set in an alternate universe where Portugal has a royal family. It's also set in the future with this king on his deathbed looking back at his youth where he... Um, becomes a firefighter um, to fight climate change. Um, and also because, well, there are other reasons as you'll see in the film. Um, it, it's a film, you know, with, with, with uh, musical numbers, with art historical references. Uh, and it's, it's also a film that I continuous continues the, 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 you know, I think the project of Joe Pedro uh, Rodriguez's work, which is, he's somebody who I think has been at the forefront of rethinking what a queer cinema can be. Uh, and I think this film uh, really pushes it um, uh, to an unexpected place. Uh, some continuities with his previous work, but 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 definitely, I think I, I feel comfortable saying this is like you know an all-out comedy. It's actually a really funny film, uh, and I'm actually glad that we're opening both the main slate and 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 uh, and currents this year with uh, with comedies. Uh, so yeah, I mean the comedy is about you know about serious and dark things but they're but they're funny films. well it's a great thing also with Joe Pedro it's like he's, he really is such a talented filmmaker that really understand like cinema and the history of cinema and he, he can use the past of of Portuguese cinema cinematography and 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 filmmakers to really put it forward in a completely different way like when I saw his film like I was captured by the way he knows how to to film uh like so many different sorts of scenes. So even what could be like, uh, you know, like a stage dinner seems lively or would remind you of like the work of Manuel de Oliveira. And then he moved into the musicals and it's completely different. And he can embrace this in like a movie that's like less than 90 minutes. I think it's like 65 minutes or something like this. And you have like everything in it. Yeah. Speaking of the history of Portuguese cinema, we should mention the... Uh... That Portuguese cinema is well represented. Uh, Revivals has uh, an Oliveira film, The Day of Despair, and also has Pedro Costa's first feature, um, O Song. Uh, and there's also a um, Portuguese filmmaker, Joana Pimenta, co directing with a Brazilian filmmaker, Adele Queiroz, um, in, uh, in uh, Currents, um, a film called Dry Ground Burning, uh, another film I, I, I really recommend, and another film that I think is really a big screen experience um we're excited to be showing that one in the walter reed so encourage people to to check that one out too that's great yeah and um and another one that caught my eye uh, after seeing drift at i think new director's new films a few years ago um helena whitman's new film um which actually has some claire denis inspiration speaking of claire denis she's all over the lineup um human flowers of flesh um yeah i was wondering if you could share a bit more info on that uh Laurence. yeah I, I, lo I love that film um i it's funny that if it, if it's true that there's some Claire Denis uh, inspiration for the film, and it it turned out that yeah we have Claire in uh, two other sections this year. 
But I, I, I was really taken by Elena's previous work, and it's someone that I really wanted to to follow and see what she would be doing next, and if she would expand the, the sort of intimate uh, filmmaking and the emotion that she would bring with just like uh, very empty scenes. Uh, she's very intellectual as well. And these are films that like you you watch and think about completely uh, being in, and, and I was really, really mesmerized by the cinematography also and the way she would move around the spaces and 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 study people in these different spaces uh, with the dialogue. It's a really beautiful film. And I think it's a very textural film as well. But he's playing in the Walter Hill, which is the best uh, the best uh, showcase for, for that, that film. I'm really glad that Elena will be here also to discuss the film and uh, maybe Claire Denis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's playing October 10th. And uh, that's, I think, one of the first times that we'll have screenings all day that day. It's a Monday, but it's a holiday. So we are packing our theaters. So yeah, not the holiday for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I can kind of wrap up Currents. I was going to um, jump to Spotlight. Um, Spotlight's quite exciting this year. I think we have four world premieres uh, along with some other very exciting selections. Um, yeah, I was going to talk actually not about a world premiere first, but one of the films um, that, that I'm quite looking forward to, The Super Eight Years. Um, I was wondering if Florence could, could talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, of mm -hmm. course. Um, so it, it's an old movie made by uh, Annie Arnaud's uh, husband back in the, the 70s, 80s, when she became uh, this uh, world famous um, author. Uh, Annie Arnaud has been often adapted uh, in, in films, including Happening, that opened uh, New York Jungle Film this year. But it's also uh, a home movie that has all the trick of like seeing images of a family, but but she puts the text on it, and the text is like so profound and so interesting, and actually emphasize what you're seeing on the screen. And I felt a vibrancy uh, with what we would see and the way she would explain uh, our life at the time. So it's also, it's more than just like a family film. It's also quite a political and social, with a social context film that talked about France, about the world, and how the world was changing in the 80s uh, in terms of family, but in terms of like uh, political history as well, Like because they go to Chile, they go to Morocco, Senegal, uh, and you see also the way the family changed at the time. While she's coming of age as more than a mother, she's coming to herself as a writer, and she puts the text on it. And it's very reminiscent of the book she wrote, um, Les Années, I guess, the years in, in English. Um, and it's 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 quite short, but it's it's very deep. And Annie is a very, very uh, interesting person to discuss. And she studied in university. It's very rare for a live author to be whose texts are studied in French and American universities. So we're really fortunate that she's coming here to discuss the film with her son who uh, edited the film with her. Excellent. And that's playing a bit later in the festival on October 10th as well and October 11th. Um, and then, yeah, I think kicking off kind of the world premieres, uh, this weekend we'll have the world premiere of Till, um, which I know technically the embargo is not up, but I can say I, I thought it was quite quite powerful film and uh, do, does a lot um, does a lot of unexpected uh things with with the subject matter and, and uh especially the, the vision um kind of chinoye chukwa is is conveying here i know dennis you are a big fan of clemency you're on the sundance jury i believe that awarded it uh the the grand prize that here and now she's back uh which is very yeah. exciting can you talk a little bit about that yeah, uh, yeah. I, wasn't, 
I was on that jury, and then we uh, invited Clemency to be opening night of new directors, and now uh, we're really, really uh, pleased that Chinonia is back with at world premiering with us. Yeah, I think you know this is obviously um, a dark and well-known chapter of American history, um, and a story that's you know maybe familiar to some, and maybe less so to to others, to younger people. Um, it's I think a story that need needs to be told at this point in time, and I think for a filmmaker of her. I think just sensitivity to tell it um, is, is is exactly the right the right thing. Um, her focus on on Emma Till's mother, I think, is 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 really what makes the film work for me. And that incredible performance um, by Danielle uh, Deadweiler, which I think people will be talking about. Um, yeah, um, we we as you mentioned, we do have you know a bunch of world premieres in this in this section. Spotlight is kind of you know I guess where the where the events live. Um, uh, you know we have like some very anticipated world premieres. We have you know a, a new score for Solaris, um, which is in, you know in its own way definitely an event as well. I think the appearance of Annie Arnaud, um, now that I think she's you know really gaining a certain um yeah, stature and recognition in literary circles here to, to present this film. I mean, that's really exciting. So I think Spotlight, we also um, are really happy with it. We think it's a really well-rounded section this year that that I think has um, a lot. I think we'll, we'll cater to a lot of um, different different audiences. Yeah, and, and we should call out too, one of the world premieres is a new film from James Ivory, A Cooler Climate, a really tender documentary um, and uh, a piece of history. He was here in the third at the third New York Film Festival and so was Jersey Skolomeski uh, and and who has EO this year. So quite uh, quite a return for those two. And they'll both be in here in person, which is exciting. I didn't know they would be here. Oh. Yes, yes. Um, great. Well, I think we can, we can almost wrap up. I did want to talk about something we are actually announcing today, uh, which will be in the world uh, very soon. But we are doing a, a tribute to Godard. Um, if Dennis, would, would you like to talk about that? Yeah. Um, obviously, we uh, Godard passed away earlier this month. Um, and, you know, we were just trying to grapple with this. Like, what do we do? How do we acknowledge this? In some ways, there is no way to acknowledge it. I think Godard's, you know, influence and impact is too enormous. It's just too outsized for us to to, to grapple with. Um, but I like the idea of just having, um, making sure Godard had a presence at this festival. And this felt like um, a very apt way to do it. Um, we are going to be showing on a loop uh, in the amphitheater of the Elena Bunin Monroe Film Center for the entire first week of the festival, starting on Saturday for several hours a day. Um, Godard's last film, uh, The Image Book. Um, I think it's a film that works really well in this format. Um, you know, I think it's a film that you can taken a few minutes off. Um, it's a film that's obviously very fragmentary in terms of how it's structured. Um, yeah, and I just really like the idea of, of, of Godard installed at the festival, watching over us. Uh, yeah, judging us. I don't know. I think I think it's something. <laughs> that's great. I think it's uh, I think it's a good. Um, it, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm excited. I'm actually excited about just the idea of like being able to walk in there. You know, when I between screenings and just taking taking a few minutes of the image book, just a way of 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 paying tribute and and acknowledging the significance. But I I I think you know. I think all of film culture will be will, will be wrestling with Godard and his ideas for for many many years to come. Excellent. Yes, it's it's a less pompous uh, memorial we could ever think of, and I think yeah. it's perfectly yeah. adapted for for Godard. I think he would. I think he would um, have appreciated this, hopefully, in his way. Yes. 
Um, and yeah, another event we're announcing today is a free talk with Park Chan Wu, which will be happening during the festival, who is bringing Decision to Leave here. Um, and I encourage everyone to also check out the full talks lineup um, programmed uh, by Devika Girish and Maddie Whittle. Um, includes an, some amazing combinations. We have Alice Diop and Frederick Wiseman, Mia Hanson Love and Charlotte Wells, Joanna Hogg and Kelly Reichert, um, as well as talks with uh, Nan Golden, Paul Schrader, Noah Bombach. Uh, yeah, and so that those are all free and happening um, in the amphitheater as well as um, some in Walter Reed. Um, and yeah, and then just a few things to note for people: we'll have um, we'll be updating uh, all the available tickets that are um, that are ready for you to take <laughs> at New York Film Festival at filmlink.org/tix. Uh, we'll be having daily podcasts as mentioned. Uh, we'll also be announcing more encore screenings. So if you didn't get tickets for any uh, anything earlier in the festival, we'll be announcing more on a rolling basis throughout the festival. Um, and we also encourage you to stop by the Furman Gallery, where we'll be having uh, exhibit featuring NYFF posters of the past, um, as well as our excellent new posters by Nan Golden, um, which are selling quite fast. So if I think the color one may already be sold out, um, you can try it at the Alice Tully Hall merch booth, but uh, the black and white one is available as well. So so yeah, any parting words, Dennis and Florence? No, yeah, we're excited. And we just are looking forward to see an audience share our love for cinema. Yeah, I would just say I would encourage people to to really use the festival for to almost pick films at random. Um, I, I feel like that is that is in some ways um, the best way to experience a festival. Uh, not knowing what you're about to see um, has often, I think, resulted in some of the most rewarding viewing experiences of my life. So, you know, obviously. Um, pick out films that you're excited about and you've heard about, but I think um, equally uh, just picking things at random can be, can be fun. Uh, so I, I, I encourage people to do that. Yes. And lastly, I just want to shout out, we'll have, uh, for the first time ever, we'll have um, screenings in all five boroughs. So um, you can head out to Alamo Draft House, Staten Island, uh, where Master Gardner and Bones and All will be screening. Um, BAM will be having a number of films, including Will of the Wisp, which we talked about, as well as Queens of the Queen Dynasty, The Dam, St. Omer, After Sun, and, and Elvis Mitchell's um, Another World Premiere, Is That Black Enough for You? Um, Maisel's Documentary Center. Um, We'll have Rewind and Play and Dry Ground Burning. And then um, very exciting, the Bronx Museum of the Arts will have a free screening of Colleen Smith's Dry Longso, a revival selection. Um, and then lastly, Museum of the Moving Image in Queens uh, will be having uh, three screenings, um, Triangle of Sadness, which is, is now already sold out, um, but Stars at Noon has some tickets available where Claire Denis will be in person for an introduction. And then Armageddon Time has a few tickets left with James Gray in person for an introduction. So. And, and at Film Lincoln Center, I think about 95% of the films um, that have living directors will be here in person, which is a very exciting return um, based on after the last few years, whereas a lot of virtual, a lot of pre-recorded Q&As uh, that Dennis and Franz can test to. They, I think they're <laughs> excited to have some conversations in real life, which is which is good. Absolutely. Uh, the pre-recorded Q&A were. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they were fine, but yes. it's better live. Albert Serra, you won't live. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and we'll be um, recording a lot of these to put on our YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash film link. And on the daily podcast, we'll be featuring some uh, as well. So yeah, we're excited to see everyone for uh, the New York Film Festival, which kicks off this Friday. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan.